This is Keyshawn Rains, the host of Working Title with Keyshawn Rains, where amazing things happen. A series of past the collection plate style conversations with a Creole, queer, femme, yogi, mom, coach, author, and of course, podcast host with a nomadic soul, a quirky sense of humor, and an activator of empowerment. These conversations are just a chance for me to speak on ways to be mindful in a mindless world. Stories are shared, folks are empowered, inspired, and impacted to be more phenomenal versions of themselves through simple conversations about complex like love, life, and the pursuit of being real. Thanks for listening. And a guest on the podcast before years ago, you know, when I first started it, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a trip because I've had a chance to go back and like re-interview and sit down with some some repeat guests, you know, from the original days when I was sitting in my car recording in random places throughout mm-hmm. Long Beach because that was the only place I could. So it's yeah. kind of cool to like record now and kind of see the the growth, the culmination, where we've where we've been, where we are, and um, and yeah, I just wanted to have a chance to like sit down and talk to you to check in. Thank you for taking the time to fill out my little questionnaire. That's me, you know, trying to be official with my shit. <laughs> good questions, by the way. Yeah, really good questions on there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. So, yeah, so we are recording here, and then we're also recording on audio, so I got you covered. And um, I just want to dive into this conversation. As usual, you know, take up as much or as little space as you'd like with your responses. I'm going to ask some questions. Some are going to sound really familiar because you just filled it out today. And then others are ones that I kind of throw into every every episode. If there's right. any question that you're like, I'm cool, I don't feel like answering that. Obviously, there's no pressure. And, uh, you know, the, the goal here, of course, as always, is just to have enlightening, intentional conversations. Because for whatever reason, my listeners really like to talk to the people that I talk to and hear the things that we talk about. So hence the mm. podcast. But um, so yeah, I'm just gonna give you the the floor and let you take a moment to introduce yourself to the listeners by sharing your name, where you're from, and what you stand for. Okay, well, um, my name is Loren, and um, I am not a Long Beach native, but I consider myself to be one at heart. Uh, been out here living in Long Beach for about 13 years now, so. Uh, originally from LA, uh, Culver City. Um, and what do I stand for? Well, um, so much, you know, I, I just stand for just, uh, just, just, just be real, be real, be good hearted, be kind hearted. Um, I just stand for, you know, none of the extras shoot it to me straight. Um, you know, I just stand for just being around people and encouraging people just to be their true authentic selves. Um, you know, life is short and it's complicated in the midst of it being short. So it makes it even shorter. <laughs> and so with that, um, I just really encourage people to always be their true authentic selves. And that's just what I stand for. Even with my kids, it's just like, you know, shoot it to me straight, be real. Um, um, you know, just, I don't even know how to put it into you know, the real words of how it feels to me is just, um, 
I don't know, Keyshawn. I'm just coming around. I'm just, I'm just noticing, you know, I'm about to be 35 and I'm noticing that, uh, as I'm getting older, I'm just noticing that so many people are just, uh, becoming more fake as time goes by. (laughs) So hell yeah. Yeah. yeah, So I just stand for like, you know, people just being real, just, uh, you know, just being honest and just being upfront, just being compassionate and humble. That's, that's what I stand for. You know, that's what I, that's what I implement my morals and my values, you know, being kind, being honest, showing gratitude, having appreciation. Um, you know, that's just my character and what I really truly stand for. Yeah. I hear you. And you, you know, it's, it's interesting because like you said, as we get older, more mature, more self-aware i think we just become more cognizant of how people are Mm. fake phony or otherwise not real and i think a lot of that also has to do with as we become more of who we are and being our true self and whole self and showing up you know flawed and indifferent and imperfect Mm. and whatever that the expectation for other people to do the same thing kind of gets heightened and so mm. we're like, I'm out here being my whole self with all my shit, but then everybody else is out here, or not everybody, but a lot of other people are out here just kind of letting their persona be their reality and letting their true self be something that either is hidden because they don't want people to know or right. because they don't know is what I'm recognizing as a lot of people don't know who they really are. They don't really know what they're about or what they stand for. They don't really have conviction or self-awareness enough to say this is who I am this is what I value most this is what's important to me because I think once you get to that place of self-awareness then you're automatically going to start to peep out anybody who's not and then you're going to start to naturally just eliminate those people Mm -hmm. or they eliminate themselves Mm -hmm. and then I think in place of that you start to attract the people who are mirroring that same authenticity you know that same realness yeah, that's that's mad facts. I think um, I think once everybody, you know, for better lack of words, just kind of cuts the bullshit, you really start to strip away those layers. And, um, you know, you start to see, like you said, there's people that don't even know who they are. Um, and a lot of the times it's because, you know, they just they're just covered in too much bullshit. You got to cut all that crap out. You know, you got to fill those layers back in. And, and uh, you know, and then that thing, too, is just the past year is just, you know, it's been a realization to me that we owe it to ourselves. You know, a lot of the times we think we don't or we don't owe ourselves anything, but we really truly do. Mm-hmm. If anything, we owe ourselves everything. And, um, and in the midst of that, that's being true to yourself and being true to you. And so uh, with that, yeah, I have found that my circle of <laughs> my circle of people are becoming shorter and shorter the older I get. When I was younger, I was like, man, I had everybody. I knew everybody and their mama. I was over here. I was over there. And now that I'm getting older, so my circle is getting smaller. Yep. And, uh, you know, about a few years ago, I was like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Mm-hmm. But as I'm getting older, I'm, I'm starting to find that it's a good thing for me and maybe a bad thing for others. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. That's real. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's real. That I think that's exactly what happens. I think it's like when we're younger that we're still trying to figure out who we are. So mm-hmm. we have, you know, different cliques, different groups. We got, you know, 30, 40 people. They're like, everybody's my best friend. Everybody's my people. Everybody's <laughs> my this or my that. And then as you become more aware of who you are, 
then you start to recognize that maybe being in so many clicks or so many spaces meant that in this group, you got to be this person. And over here, yeah. you got to be this other person. And for these people, you got to be this person. And that mm-hmm. gets tiring. You know, over no. time, you're like, I'm, I don't want to have to filter myself or alter myself or dim mm-hmm. my light or change to be in all these different sets of people. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just be my whole self all the time. And if that yeah. means that my circle shrinks from 20 to 10 and from 10 to 5, then I know I got five motherfuckers I can trust <laughs> that I truly care about, that truly care about me, that are going to have my back, that are about the same things I'm about. I'm good with that. Just right give me on. my top five. That's it. That's all I need. <laughs> top five. All right. Let's keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 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 So. Some of the questions I asked on my questionnaire, you know, I I was really strategic and intentional about them because I feel like it's a way for people who don't know, you know, my guests as well as I do to get to know them a little bit better. And it's also kind of a trip for me, like some of people's responses. So I want you to tell me a little bit about yourself in a couple sentences with one of the questions that I asked. And I know some things about you that other people don't necessarily know. And one of the things is that you're a musician and you're a singer and a songwriter. And I want you to tell me a little bit about how you became this type of artist. What brought you to this medium of like artistic expression as a musician and songwriter? Uh, well, it, it started at the age of nine. I was nine years old. Um, uh, I'll give a, a little, I'll give some context to that behind that. So I started music, especially picking up the guitar at a very early age. Uh, basically to escape my trauma as a child. So, you know, I uh, I grew up, you know, we all have a story and, you know, mine's not as bad as others, but, you know, I, I lost my mother when I was two and then, you know, lived with my grandmother for a while. And then my dad came and got my sister and I when I was about five or six. And then he picked us up and moved away. And uh, he, you know, he married another woman that I didn't care for too much. And so, you know, I dealt with a lot of abuse and a lot of neglect and all that stuff. And so my stepmother had a brother who uh, actually, <laughs> he wrote the song. Do you remember the song that used to go, uh, I saw the sign. Yeah. It opened eyes. I saw the sign. Well, her brother wrote that song. He's the writer of that song. Yes, John Darnell. He plays for the Mountain Goats. And he actually has a couple songs and movies. So it's interesting. When he was younger, I would go into his room uh, when we would go visit her her uh, parents. And he would be away on tour. And he had all these guitars in his room. And he had broken guitars with, like, missing strings and stuff. And so, I, you know, I would go and sneak in there when he was away on tour and... Uh, start plucking away at the guitar. So that's when I became interested is being around it at that age and then just uh, being able to hold an instrument in my hands and then just hear the sound and then just pluck away and try to just figure it all out. It was really soothing and very therapeutic to me at nine years old. And Mm -hmm. what does a nine-year-old know about, (laughs) you know, they're having a therapeutic moment, right? (laughs) So that's how it all started. So I actually started teaching myself guitar on broken guitars first. Mm-hmm. I never learned how to play a full six string guitar till years later. So I essentially only taught myself how to play on about four strings. And I taught myself by ear and that's how that picked up. And, I, and I've never put it down since. And then 
you know, I just started, somebody had to sing the songs that I was writing. So I taught myself how to sing. I was never one of those, oh, I want to be a singer. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, put me on Star Search, none of that. I didn't want to be no Disney kid, none of that. <laughs> you know, Mickey Mouse House Club, none of that. Right. <laughs> so, um, but I just taught myself how to sing. You know, I just started singing and singing to my stuff. And then eventually people started to tell me like, hey, you don't sound half bad. Then I exercised my voice to the point, okay. And then people said, well, damn, you sound pretty damn good. I said, okay, well, let me keep going then. And that's how that came about. And then just writing, too. I've always been a writer at a very, very early age, even in, you know, uh, second grade. Teachers were thinking, you know, did I really write what I was mm -hmm. writing? Because it was so deep and so heavy. Mm -hmm. You know, I was on some Edgar Allan Poe shit. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> they were just like, they're like, what's happening to this seven year old? What's going yeah, on what's, here? <laughs> that's how, so, you know, you take all that writing and then playing the guitar, teaching myself and then teaching myself to sing and you put all that together. And I came up with my own craft and um, my own signature. And it's been one of my greatest gifts. It's definitely been a God-given a God blessing that, I've, um, that I have, so. Mm. Do you like, do you prefer singer to songwriter, like performer versus provider of music? Which one do you prefer or do you like them both the same? I'm a, I'm a baby face. Okay. I like how baby face moves. You know, I like when people hear songs and um you know you're like you hear tony braxton stuff you hear mariah carey stuff you hear everybody's stuff back in the you know 80s and early 90s and stuff and it's like babyface wrote all that babyface wrote the whole soundtrack to wait to excel <laughs> like you know he went he dipped in on that thing and it's just right. like so many artists so i like to write music for other for other artists and singers but at the same time i'll have you know mine pop in in there you know because they're originals that <laughs> nobody else can do mm -hmm. um for the most part, I just love writing stuff for people to just go ahead and take it and, and, you know, bring my craft out. I like that. I like that. And, you know, the funny part about it is that very few people, unless you really study music, really know who wrote some of their some of their most favorite songs by their most favorite artists were not necessarily written by the artist themselves, the person who performed oh. it, the person who sang it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah people think, like, even with Prince, uh, uh, the song, um, what, I Nothing compares to you by Sinead O'Connor. It's another one, you know. People think that you know that's that's the original. Like Prince wrote that. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like as a, I feel like when you're a songwriter, you probably have so much music in you, so many mm -hmm. lyrics, so many stories, so many things that you want to tell, and getting them out of you onto paper or getting them out of you into song is a lot and then the next stage mm. of it is performing and some stuff you write you're like this is good i don't want to sing this though you know this isn't mm. necessarily for me or if you have like an artist who wants to develop themselves and they don't really understand songwriting it's one thing to just put lyrics on a page it's another thing to put lyrics to music and make it make mm -hmm. sense and make it like really hit so i think that's a a skill that a lot of performers don't necessarily have as songwriters too, you know? So that's something that mm -hmm. I feel like those are some, that's why Prince is a Prince, you know what I'm saying? That's why he's, yeah. he's a singer and a songwriter and a musician and, and a performer. Fifty Jones, you know, it's just so many, so many legends, you know, uh, that's, it's a craft. Like you said, it's, it's so much, there's so much structure that goes behind it too. You have to bring your music to life. It's like a filmmaker, you know, when you think of some of the best filmmakers, you know, when they bring their movies to life and stuff, you know, everything they poured into it, you know, they got to get the right actors and you got to get the right music. And it's, right. it's really, 
package deal for right. sure. No, I feel you. So you mentioned a little bit about growing up and you know like you said everybody kind of has a story and something that i know that stood out to me about you when we first met which feels like a hundred years ago even though it wasn't that <laughs> long ago but it feels like it was a long time ago is that you are a former foster youth so mm -hmm. you aged out of the foster system into the adult you know person that you are today can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like aging out like what came next and how you kind of found your footing Oh yeah, I mean it was a it was a tough time. Um, um, say back way back then, back back in the day, you know, it, the system has changed for foster youth a lot. It has grown and excelled, uh, which is which is beautiful. Um, so that former foster youth have a better, uh, you know, a better platform uh, to transition into their adulthood. But uh, when I had aged out, um, well, I went into I went into foster care a little later when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. uh, when you know, I just had enough with my dad and him and I just. We went toe to toe one night. I call it when the wolves rumbled that night. Mm. I actually stood up to them <laughs> that night, and then I ran away and I went into the foster care system. Uh, so I was in the foster care system for about uh, maybe about four, yeah, about four, four or five years. Okay. Yeah, four or five years. And you know, you bounce around a lot. But then when I had graduated high school, I was actually in a group home. And there's a difference. You know, you have foster homes where you have foster families. Mm -hmm. You know, you have like a foster parent that takes people in their actual home okay. and then you have like group homes that are more facility based type of you know buildings you know it's kind of like a little baby jail mm. and so okay. um you know so i i ended up uh emancipating from a group home and it wasn't good you know mm. uh it was about four days after my birthday it was in the summertime and they gave me the boot and mm. so they just found me a spot somewhere corona um, and gave me a $25 gift card to, to Stater Brothers uh, to get some groceries and then told me by the time I found a job, I would be able to pay the rent where I was and I should be good to go. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't left with any resources or anything. And so um, it was a very bad experience. I actually experienced being homeless uh, after that mm -hmm. for uh, for a little while, for a few months. I was I was actually living on the street. I had hitched back to Palm Springs because, you know, I grew up in Palm Springs for a while mm -hmm. and I was actually living on the street and I was using my guitar to make money for me. So I was washing up in a Jack in the Box bathroom and, you know, I said, if I'm going to be homeless, I got to make it look good. And so, <laughs> so that's what I did. We played my music and sometimes I get lucky enough to, to make enough to stay in a hotel or a motel that night, buy me some food. But it was tough. The foster care system for me was... I didn't have the platform or the foundation to really get a good footing into my adulthood. I had to, I had to figure it out. And so I went through, oh my gosh, so many loops and turns uh, just to get to where I'm at now. But I honestly feel I wouldn't be where I'm at today if I didn't go through what I did. You know what I mean? Sometimes those challenges need to take place in order for you to grow and have a different perspective on life to get you where you're at now. Right, right. Well, and I and I think about what you shared in your questionnaire about you getting into housing development for affordable housing as like the career that you're in now. And it's interesting when you think about the things that you've lived, you know, the places that you've been, the places that you've slept right. literally can help uh -huh. to kind of put you in alignment with doing things that are going to benefit other people so that maybe other people don't have to go through what you went through or have as difficult of a time as you did to be able to make those transitions. And 
I always think it's so it's so interesting to me how creatives I don't know about you but I feel like most <laughs> creatives that I know go through the most shit <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, do we really have to have it so hard? You know what I mean? Like, can it just be easy? But sometimes I've yeah. talked to a lot of creatives and some of us feel like we create our best stuff, writing, music, dance, whatever it is, when we're in the trenches. Do you have that yeah. experience? Hell yeah, I'll be on some uh, eight mile shit, Eminem shit, like, you know, like that low for real. Yes. You know, like now that, you know, I've kind of, you know, I got my stuff together now, you know, I'm, 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 I'm living well and I've, I've done pretty damn good for myself. And I'm thinking like some of my music now, I don't have time for my music now. I think I don't, you know, I got too much going on, but back then I kind of, sometimes you almost miss it. You almost miss those moments of when you slept in your car or when you had to take the bus or ride the train, because there's no, there's no more, the, the moment, that beautiful, beautiful moment that you get to experience and just that creative world, whatever your niche is, whatever you've been blessed with your gifts and everything. And when you bring that and craft that out, it's just, it's 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 a liberating experience. And then so when you let life and things get in the way, it kind of takes from it, you know what I mean? It becomes more of a, I don't know, it becomes more of like a to-do thing on your list opposed to just being who you are. You are the creative, the creative is you, you know what I mean? So That's real. I do that's real. I, I was talking to my son about it the other day. You know, he's a creative filmmaker, writer, and we were having a conversation about, you know, his plans. Like he's got two years before he graduates from film school, what he wants to do next. And I was saying, you know, he's like, I know I'm going to be in the trenches for a while because that's when I create my best stuff. And I was mm -hmm. telling him, you know, like, it's okay to create when you're comfortable. And he was like, nah, mm -hmm. I gotta be uncomfortable so I can keep creating. And it's so real though, because I know that feeling, you know, writing my first book or like putting out some of my best work as far as like the, the teaching or the coaching or the concepts or the things, it was when my back was against the wall, even with this podcast, when mm -hmm. I started it in 2018 to now, I know that I've put out way less than I was doing that first year, that second year because we get comfortable we get cozy yeah. we got you know doors windows keys and cars now so it's like i mean i'll create something when i get to it even though i think that's because the creative work that we're doing was therapeutic because mm -hmm. we were going through so much at the time and we needed something to be able to channel our energy into to be able to distract ourselves in a lot of ways from everything that was going on a way to kind of tell our story whereas when we kind of level up you know we get we get spouses and children and homes and you know we're doing okay we're not worried about how to keep the fucking lights on we're like okay i gotta write a song mm -hmm. <laughs> what am i gonna write about <laughs> yeah our time becomes just wanting to just be just chill on the couch just lay just watch a movie just do something and and that's okay you know we always want to give that to us but if that's becoming more frequent and you don't and like i told myself and i'm not focusing on my craft and i'm like you know, to me, that's that can be a little problematic. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Because then we end up feeling that that creative energy ends up getting transitioned into just like eating too much, drinking too much, sleeping too much, not yeah. doing shit. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like it's like that energy needs somewhere to go. So I want to talk a little bit about one thing that I ask my guests now is, you know, like you said earlier, everybody has a story to tell. Mm -hmm. And I really truly believe that 
it is by telling and hearing the stories of others that we really better understand ourselves or also mm -hmm. give ourselves a chance to really explore ourselves a little bit more. So one of the things that I ask my guests is, what is something about you that most people don't know? Mm. Well, it depends. It depends on the group. It depends on the group of people that I associate with. If it's my close friends, well, you know, uh, well, okay. A lot of people actually, and I'm gonna be very vulnerable and transparent here, okay. like super vulnerable and transparent. Cause this is what this is for. Okay. Uh, oh, um, I feel like I'm talking to Oprah right now. <laughs> super yes. soul. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm going to lean in like this. Tell me <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, actually a lot of people around me don't know that actually this past year has been probably the worst I've ever been depressed, like ever before. Mm -hmm. Even, even like I just told you, you know, like my whole, <laughs> um, thing with experiencing homelessness and all that you know it didn't it didn't affect me the way that I've been affected this past year and so <clears throat> a lot of people don't know that I have been battling depression really bad mm -hmm. because I'm just not that I don't come off like that I come off like you know like you know Lowe's got it together Lowe is sharp Lowe is this you know mm -hmm. you know Lowe is always in good spirits Lowe is you know the one you turn to when you need a helping hand and everything. So, but man, I got hit with depression so hard, mm. like never before it rocked. It, it laid my ass out and a lot and it's because a lot of people don't know that I'm transitioning right now. So a lot of people don't know that, you know, I have, we just talked about the beginning of the discussion of this podcast about being, you know, our true authentic selves and stripping back those legs, you know, taking those layers off of, fooling ourselves okay let's take that off okay i'm bullshitting myself here you know i don't like hanging out with this crowd why am i acting like this why am i having this job and start peeling that stuff off but yeah you know i have always battled you know always feeling like a guy my whole entire life since i've been a little little ass kid mm -hmm. and so now that i've been transitioning i thought it was going to be all grits and gravy i get that testosterone i'm transitioning and that shit knocked me on my ass, mm. you know, and this is things that aren't being talked about on YouTube. And I'm like, you know, I, I probably should put this out there. Like, I don't know what other trans guys are saying, but you have to have some thick ass skin to be ready for this shit. Mm. You know what I mean? Because you go into discovering a new part of yourself that you have now just kind of, you know, accepted within yourself. And then now, you know, your chosen family or your chosen tribe, you've done told and then now everyone's adjusting, mm -hmm. you're adjusting, mm -hmm. uh, you know, dysphoria kicks in, you know, before I was the stud that was always, you know, I, man, I take my guns out any day, you know, I've always been big, I show my arm, now I'm all covered. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, summertime, you can't catch me, I'm covered, I'm wearing a damn sweater because I got to get ready for top surgery. Mm -hmm. And so now that really put me in a deep depression. Mm -hmm. And, and that's one thing a lot of people don't know yeah. that's been going on is that. And people, if I told people, they'd be like, why is Loren like depressed like that? Nah, no way. I'm the one that you come to for advice. So I'm like telling you like, come on, man, dust yourself off. Shit, shit happens. Like, you know, pray about it, whatever. But no, it's been real. It's wow. been real. That's, that's real because, <laughs> I mean, for so many reasons, I think that 
obviously, well, one, you know, last year we were all hit with the fucking pandemic, you know what I, I mean? And that shit came out of nowhere. And being in quarantine, putting us in spaces with our families or loved ones in a way that we'd never probably experienced them before, that shit hit hard. And then on top of all of that, going through a life-changing transition in this day and age, in this quarantine, it like all those things compounded on top of each other, on top of being isolated and separated yeah. from the chosen family or the safe spaces that you would normally socialize in or whatever, all those things combined, hell yeah. I would say I don't know anyone personally in my top five, my inner circle, who wasn't hit hard by depression in the last mm -hmm. 18 months. And it showed up a little bit differently for all of us. It manifested a little bit differently for all of us. We've all been feeling it though, you know? Mm -hmm. And the crazy part about it, not crazy, but the strange part about depression is it has a way of making us feel like we're the only ones who are experiencing it. When in reality, mm -hmm. all of us are feeling it. We're all just coping with it in a different way. Some of us are talking about it. Some of us are going quiet. Some of us are working out. Some of us are just eating all the time. Some of us are sleeping all the time. Some of us are doing a combination of all three and some of us ain't doing shit, you know? So I think the what I appreciate about this connection is that there's so much love here and there's so much trust here that I'm like, I know something's up with my friend. I know mm. that they're over there going through changes because I know I'm going through fucking changes and I'm just going through changes as like, are we all going to die? What's going to happen? <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> is it is this all about to is be over? It? Is this it? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? But then and then on top of that, going through my own what in a lot of ways feels like a re coming out experience because of my relationship mm -hmm. with my father, you know, mm -hmm. not having a close relationship with my father growing up, not having a deep connection with him, truly just mm -hmm. despising his existence for the majority of my childhood into early adulthood. And mm -hmm. now getting to the point where we're co-hosting this weekly Bible talk fucking meditation. Shit. And I'm like, beautiful. I love that. I love, that. I love that. Okay. And the big reason why I stay co so committed to it is because that's part of my healing. That's uh -huh. part of me saying, and I tease them all the time. It's like, because I'm a good Christian. I'm a good person. That's why we doing yeah. this. It ain't about you, but it's about me, you know, but, uh -huh. but it's really serving as therapy for me because uh -huh. it's me shifting and changing and not trying to hide who I am, not avoiding conversations about my my sexual preference or my relationship and my queerness, like not covering those things, taking off some of those layers. So I feel like what's been serving me really well is facing the depression head on and really mm -hmm. letting myself feel the feeling. And instead of trying to hurry up and get out of it, just kind of being like, well, what, what is this? What's happening right now? You know, what, where is this coming from? And then on top of what you're experiencing, I know you shared in your questionnaire that you're almost at nine months of being on yeah. testosterone. And yeah. I, <laughs> I don't even yeah. know, you know what I mean? Like the uh, fact that you're still showing up for your family, for your partner, for your job, uh, you're doing a lot. Yeah, just got a promotion too last week before I took you're it. You're like, and I also just got promoted. So there's that. <laughs> interesting because it's it, the interesting thing is that 
even when we feel, when we know we're going through things, we know we're depressed, we know we're not showing up as the best versions of ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's a trip to me that not a lot of people can see that right. because even in the midst of the pandemic and having to work from home and then having two additional kids now that I raise and then a partner. So there's three kids in the house, you know, and then my transition, you know, like you said, you know, I was surprised. I was surprised when they told me they wanted to give me the director position, you know, at this company. And I'm thinking like, wait a minute, I have been, I actually haven't been showing up as my best self, <laughs> but they think I'm killing it. You know what I mean? And so that just goes to show me, oh, that's because I was giving a thousand percent, but now I'm just giving a hundred percent. That's right. And so, because, you know, I'm the type of person that goes above and beyond. And mm -hmm. so now I'm just, I'm giving you a hundred percent, but I'm not giving a thousand. Mm -hmm. And so I had to celebrate that for myself too, and acknowledge that about myself. Like, oh, you know, when I take a back seat, a lot of the times it's a hundred percent because I'd be doing the most, but the, um, yeah, the transition and the testosterone, I'm telling you, man, this testosterone, I finally got my endocrinologist to get me on a good dosage. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> so did you have to go through, can you talk a little bit about that? Like what, yeah. what the experience has been like and what you've been feeling? And So the first thing is first, you have to, you have to be comfortable with, with needles. So if you are a queasy with needles, I mean, I got every Friday, I have a needle about this, this long that they I got. They don't have a, like a gummy version of I chew it up. They don't have, it's not. Man, I'm still waiting. <laughs> but I, I mean, don't bother me, but it's like, I'm still waiting, but they mm -hmm. ain't got nothing. They got some cream and they got some foam, but they say that stuff gets everywhere. And if you come in contact with it, everybody will be on testosterone. So they don't suggest it. Okay. Understood. <laughs> so, everybody ain't transitioning. Yeah. Just me. You can't wash right. the clothes in the same laundry. It's, it's a trip. It's oh, too many wow. Trips. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But you know, it, um, in the beginning, you know, the estrogen is being blocked out. And so now, you know, all those female hormones are being pushed out and testosterone's coming in and saying, yo, this is what it is. Yo, we here. We're finally here. Yo, this is what we've been waiting for this moment. And so, but it comes with the mental, it, it takes you on, on a huge mental roller coaster. Okay. You know, I, I was up and down in dosages. So I, I experienced moments of like, like some uh, roid rage a little bit. Mm. And then I had days where you have high peaks and low peaks. So then on my low peak, I was like a grandpa. I couldn't get out the bed for three days, mm. you know? So it, it, it really takes a lot, you know, when you're pumping your body up with these hormones and it just goes to show you like shit, the, 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 the areas and where you're, you're willing to travel to be who you are is like, it's a trip. Yeah. It's a trip, you know? The lengths <laughs> that you're willing things. to go. Yeah. 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 It's a trip. But that's real so, though. I mean, if you, it, it's not like, I mean, women will sit in a hair salon for seven hours to just get an install done. And that's just a wig, you know what I mean? Or a weave. Yeah. That's just a, a temporary, you know, change of mm -hmm. just their appearance. So you imagine being a, a trans person who's yeah. known since childhood that mm -hmm. this is who you're, you're designed to be this is who you're yeah. meant to be the lengths that you go through to get to that that sweet spot where you just feel whole yeah mm -hmm. it's it's probably not a you know a cakewalk you know what i mean it's not a walk in the park how are you how are you feeling as you're approaching this nine months how much more time do you have and you know what what's coming next well the thing is is that you know once you start it you, you you're on it for the rest of your life okay so that's that's first and foremost you can choose to, depending, you know, it's a case by case thing. You know, you don't have to, 
being transgender, you know, doesn't even mean that you need to be on hormones. You can just, you know, identify as to how you want to identify and change your clothes, what you wear, and, you know, you're trans. You know, you say, hey, this is me, I'm trans. Some people are stealth. Stealth meaning they don't want nobody to know they're trans. That's how I am. I'm both. Okay. I am stealth mode with a certain group. Okay. And then certain group, I'm I'm out in the open. Okay. And so it's just certain people that they don't understand, you know, and I'm like, they haven't known me my whole life. So I'm like, I ain't even trying to do all that, you know, but, um, and, it, it, you know, it's crazy because it's, it's honestly in the church, the church, I'm like, I'm super scared to come out at the church because they don't know. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. So, you know, for those who will listen and watch this later, I have known Loren for, I would, it's almost, I want to say it's five years, but it might only be three, but it feels like 10 and that's a good thing. So I, <laughs> so I have been doing a lot of research since last year, well, late last year, early this year, when you told me what your plans are and you told me about this, this realization and like this moment of like, this is my truth and I'm sharing it with you, friend. And I remember in that moment feeling super grateful that I got to be one of the chosen few that you are open with and, and out with and real with. And then from that moment, I started watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts and watching TikTok videos. And every once in a while, I'll learn something and kind of ask you like, okay, is this, legit? is this okay? And what do I do with this? And so, and the reason I share that is because I know that a lot of people who have the privilege of being one of the chosen few that have a transgender person in their life who feels comfortable mm. and safe enough to be able to come to them and, and talk to them about their experiences. Mm. There's so many questions that come up and mm. some of them we feel like, is that a goofy question? Is that offensive? Can I ask him that? Or should I just keep yeah. that to myself? So yeah. one of the things that like you mentioned in your responses is being stealth and open and then mm. also saying like that you don't have to have a hormone replacement therapy to qualify mm. as being transgender. That one day I text you and was like, what is this medical, legal and social transgender? Yeah. What does that mean? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, um, again, you have so I'll talk about it in terms of, you know, transgender men. Because okay. sounds good. I can't speak on behalf of transgender women because I absolutely don't I have no clue what that even entails only that I know that if we do the hormones we're going through the same thing okay, okay. <laughs> we're changing, we're changing gender okay so, <laughs> but for transgender for trans men you have mm -hmm. you have there's so many ways in how you identify as you know being trans and you know you have trans masculine so I'm trans masculine okay which me and Transmasculine for me is like, you know, man of all mans. You know, when I'm trying, I need the hormones. I need to get the beard coming in. And you can't see it here, but I got some facial hair coming in. You'll see it on Friday. And, um, you know, I got to get the top surgery done. And then there's bottom surgery. Well, that's a different, we'll have a topic about, we'll have a conversation on that later. I don't know if I'm going to do all that. And I'll tell you my reasons why. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's, you know, and then, and then you have trans men who are like queer which means they they have always known themselves to be men and they identify as he him his but they've always been attracted to men mm. 
So, you know, they're, they, they're like a trans queer mm-hmm. male, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I'm more kind of like the trans guy who would essentially be like, I always tell myself, wow, if I was actually born cisgender male, I probably would have been heterosexual. Okay. Because how I identify is a trans masculine male who is attracted to women, one woman, so I don't get, you know, dinged on this. For the record. <laughs> for, for, for the record. But, you know, and feminine women, you know, okay. your average feminine woman, all woman hair, makeup, everything. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, yeah, I'm trans. I'm part of the LGBTQ community, but, you know, I'm still only attracted to women. And I saw an offensive at a very offensive. Uh, <laughs> so see, this is why I don't post shit on on social media. I had posted some something and someone had commented and told me uh, uh, what they say. They said, uh, you're just a lesbian hiding behind a beard. Mm. I said, you know, it's just like, see, this is the thing. So this is why I say you got to have some thick skin because as soon as you start coming out, it starts, they start coming for you. And I mean, it's just different when, with the LGBTQ community, the T, the T's, we, the T's, there's a different treatment there. You know what I mean? Because even within the LGBTQ community, people within the LGBTQ community are having a hard time understanding the trans community. Time for a break, time for a breather. One thing that we often forget to do as we move throughout our lives, throughout our day, is to breathe. So I invite you right now to allow three deep, intentional breaths to enter and exit your body. And by the time you're done, we will be ready to continue. Thank you so much for listening. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, we all a part of it, but I got some questions. Like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it's either like, we like the same sex, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, but yeah, you have that in, uh, uh, in medical. So I'm doing the hormones. And then you have, if you don't want to do hormones, you can just, again, it's by your clothing. Maybe you cut your hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, I have seen like, you know, trans individuals who identify as male, but they got makeup on and fingernails done, but they're like, I go by he, him, his. Mm-hmm. And you have non-binary, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so, and then you have trans who were actually trans individuals who were born intersex, which means they were actually born both male and female. And now we are just living in a day and age to where they can actually choose, hey, I can actually come out and actually be who I've always thought I, I know myself to be. Yeah. And so it's just, it's it's a trip, Keyshawn, like. Yeah. 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 I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because I can say as a, you know, a member of the Alphabet Mafia, of the LGBTQIA <laughs> plus community, I can honestly, I can honestly say that there, I mean, until I would say maybe the last five to six years, my knowledge and awareness of the transgender community and the unique experiences of transgender men and women was very limited, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just because it wasn't talked about. It wasn't happening in conversation as frequently. And any time that someone that I knew as a lesbian woman transitioned, they just disappeared. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? For a while, they disappeared from the community. They weren't coming around Mm -hmm. to social spaces anymore. They kind of, you know, disappeared from social media and then they just reemerged 
as their whole self. And it was right. like, oh man, I, I wish I had known. I would have, you know, <laughs> sent you some flowers or sent you some yeah. sea moss or something. You know, I didn't know you were going through all that stuff, you know? And yeah. I understand though, because there's so much resistance or mm-hmm. rejection, I'm sure that probably comes from being in that space that you kind of just put your walls up, you know, and you're mm-hmm. like, I'm only going to be around who I feel safe being around. But I know um, a friend, Kai, who when I met, you know, they were, it was prior to them stepping into their whole self. And I felt, again, grateful that I got mm-hmm. a text and I got a Facebook message like, hey, this is what's going on in my life. This is where I am. And I was like, cool. Yay. So, I mean, maybe I just, maybe I just get the notice. I'm cool with that. I get to be the one who gets to know about, the, who gets to be yeah. supportive because now it's been years, you know, and they live in the Bay Area now. And to see the transition, not from the neck down, as I call it, mm-hmm. but from the neck up to see the light, you know, in their eyes, mm-hmm. to see the smile change and just feel a little bit brighter, to just see so much of their whole self coming out of them just is such a beautiful thing to witness, you know? So I um, I just, my my intention and my encouragement for people who are listening or watching this is be willing to learn, be willing to listen, and just be mm-hmm. willing to know that there's shit you don't know. And if you don't know, ask the question with the intention of understanding, not judging. <laughs> not changing anybody's mind just ask with the intention of understanding because i know that for me i'm grateful that you are going through this now Mm -hmm. that you're not waiting another year or another two years or another like it's like no i'm doing this now this is a life-changing experience and i'm stepping into this now because i'm like yeah good do it so we can start having fun again It's tough summer for me, but I tell you, you know, it's my time is, is, you know, my time is now, but I feel like, you know, like you said, your friend that just left and cause if you notice, I'm not on social media much anymore. Right. I've kind of, you know, I was always posting every, everything, posting all the time, yeah. you know, traveling here, doing this, always, always posting things. But now I'm just very behind the scenes uh, because I just want to also just make sure I take care of myself. I'm, I, I will lose sight of taking care of myself and I don't want it to be, you know, long-term, you know, damage, emotional damage that I'm doing to myself. So I'm like, you know what, if I need to fall back, mm-hmm. I got my, I could text you, I could text people, but you might not see me on social media for a while, yeah. you know, got to protect myself. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I want to switch gears just a little bit. And this oh. is the portion of the podcast where I throw some of my other goofy questions at you. So <laughs> one of the questions that I like to ask in in these you know and i love reading people's answers because everybody's answers are so unique but they're also very similar for Mm. whatever reason a lot of people want to live in one particular place if they could so one of the questions i have for you is (laughs) if you could reside anywhere in the world where would you live and why oh yeah thailand man oh man i love me some thailand do a lot of people say that a lot of people say just asia But Thailand, yeah. Bali, Vietnam. I mean, it's, it's like, what's, I haven't been to Asia yet, so maybe I'll need to go and then that's where I'll end up. I haven't been to Asia yet. Not yet. Oh, you're... Okay, Thailand, for me, when I went a few years back, the one thing that I just noticed, and then too, I was, I, you know, I had I made some stops in Asia, you know, we went to Taiwan and stuff, and it's just, you know, 
everyone there is just so full of love mm. and 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 free and you know and yeah you know people are like oh i don't know how you can travel to a third world country like that and da, 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 da. i'm thinking like wait a minute hold on because they don't out there they just don't live the way that we do out here in the u.s man we got it all twisted you know what i mean everyone there just wants to feel loved and to be loved and feel accepted and just to not live in fear and they don't and they don't project that out there and so for me thailand you know i'm just like the food is amazing i didn't like it when i first went but now i love it and aside from that it's just it's just everything nature is beautiful it's beautiful it's very similar to bali to me but i'm like you know it's just a place it's the people it's the people you know you are who you hang around and so and it's just stepping out the door i'm just like man if i could live in thailand and just you know wear my sandals and it's still raining and it feels good and the skin is glistening and black people just be shining like gold and we're praised out there black people praised everywhere we go outside of the u.s do you know that <laughs> we can go anywhere outside the country we're like they be like oh you mm -hmm. know like this to us the chosen people yes <laughs> but yeah it's just thailand it's just it's just that culture it's just that vibe it's the energy that the people have out there always with love always with peace the temples uh, you know what I mean? Like the monks, you know, I'm just like every everything is just it's just right, Keyshawn. I can't even, mm. you know, when you get the chance and I know with the pandemic and everything, everybody's like, yeah, I may have to go to I don't know. I'm have to go to a different continent, but you got to go visit Thailand and just Asia as a whole. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful place. The people are beautiful. I've heard good things. And I have I have friends who who are in Sri Lanka and mm. friends who are in parts of India. So I know when I go, I'm going to have to go for like six weeks to just bounce around and visit okay. a couple different countries. But it's it's on my list. It's on my list for sure. So Thailand. Okay, yeah. A couple, you're like the third person who said Thailand. And then some other people said other places. So I'm like, okay, so clearly mm. I need to go. So my yeah. next question that I have for you is if you woke up tomorrow morning with $100 million in your bank yeah. account, what is the first thing you would do? first thing I'd be like, we got a problem. This is a mistake. No, I would, um, you know, first thing I would actually do the very first thing I would actually do. And this is just, this is real. I would honestly, for me, I'd have to take a minute and sit with myself and pray about it and just really sit and say, okay, what comes to me? What am I supposed to do with this money? Yep. There's a lot of money. I don't want to start. I don't even want to pay off debt yet. I want to just sit with myself for a minute and go, okay. And I know for the most part, me and just why I'm here living in this flesh and this shell right here on this earth, you know, I know I've always been a very giving person, you know, especially when it comes to money. And so honestly, I would feel I've been blessed with that money to give a lot of it away to those that need it or put it into a nonprofit, uh, create a charitable organization, um, give it to, you know, you know, you hear this all the time with charitable organizations, people are like, oh yeah, I donate here and I donate there. But really, if I got a hundred million dollars and I prayed about it and God said, you got to get rid of all of it. And it just came to me and said that I, I probably would get rid of all of it, like on some real shit, because I believe that when we get blessed with, with riches like that, and we really do what's the, in our best intentions to do right by that money, we reap the real wealth and the riches in the end and the blessings in the end. That's what we really want. And so that's just something I believe in.
Mm. And of course, I want to be comfortable and be like, okay, I want to make sure you're good. You're good. The kid's good. Y'all good. Okay. Probably not going to get this Tesla, but maybe I'll get this Chevy, you know, this Chevy truck, you know. <laughs> but really, though. <laughs> no, that's real. That's real. I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And that's another question that I ask every guest. And I would say probably 80% of responses are one, make sure the shit is accurate. Two, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sit on it for a couple of days, you know, make sure the bank didn't make a mistake. And then mm -hmm. after they take care of themselves within reason, it's always mm -hmm. a pay it forward, you know, take care of yeah, others, always. provide for others. And it's interesting because, you know, I think about the billionaires of our world, you know, the Beyonce's, the Jay-Z's, the Bezos, the these, the those. And I don't know their whole life, you know, I don't know how much they're giving back we do see a lot of their wealth and their opulence and their material, you know, their yeah. materialism and the materialism of their lives. And yeah. I also know that I believe, you know, to much, you know, what is it like to who much is given much will be required. So I feel right. like to be able to be given or gifted that substantial amount of material wealth all at one time, I do feel like there would be a duty and a responsibility on the shoulders of someone like you, someone like me to say, okay, I need to make sure that I'm reaching back. I need to make sure that I'm giving yeah. back because I want to make sure that I'm always going to continue to be taken care of as I go forward. You know? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So we're going to do complete the sentence before I let you go. So the first one is, I am happiest when? When I'm drunk. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I am happiest when I'm playing music, when I'm playing my guitar. Mm. Mm -hmm. How about, I know I'm fed up when... When 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 you just keep having a shitty day back to back and it just don't stop. That that's honestly it's just like a repetitive days of shitty days. That's when I'm fed up. I'm just losing my shit. How <laughs> about I know I've made an impact when um when I've just uh you know given whatever I can to people, provided whatever I have to give to people anything it could be money it could be my home it could be anything anything in that nature yeah spirituality is spirituality is trusting in it Mm-hmm. so before we leave leave i'm doing this fun activity where we're going to get into a time machine so you're going to close your eyes for a moment take a deep hey. breath in and you're going to step into a time machine and we're going to travel all the way back to when you were 16. You mm. step out of the time machine and you see your 16-year-old self. What is the first thing that you say? I hope I'm going to be okay. Mm. Yeah. So we're going to step back into the time machine take a deep breath in and as we exhale we're gonna go all 
all the way forward, don't know how far forward, but all the way to the end, what do you want to be remembered for? my time mm. that's good mm -hmm. so we're gonna come my all the way back your time that's good that's good yeah so we're gonna step back in we're gonna come all the way back to the present moment here and now and you can open your eyes when you're ready and before I let you go, I'm going to pull one card from this trusty Oracle deck that I've been using with this podcast since I started it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to let you pick a number between 1 and 52, and I will read your little message. What's your number? 33. Ooh, 33. Okay. Let's mm. see. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> this is a good one. <laughs> I mean, they're all good. I feel like I say that about all of them, but this, just, this is a good one. They're all good. Um, so this one, the message is open your presence, open your mm -hmm. presence. And the message says, have you ever seen a time-lapse film of a flower blooming? It's petals opening wide. That's your new role model. Visualize yourself opening your arms wide, embracing all the prosperity and abundance that's flowing your way. Receive 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 then pass it on mm. that was it that was that was actually that was meant for me to hear that hit that hit it right on the button yeah 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 oh i love it i love it well my brother i appreciate you so <laughs> sincerely for carving out this time in your ultra busy schedule for coming on for sharing for opening up for being so vulnerable i really feel like the conversations that you and I have had since we've met have always been so powerful and humorous and enlightening and inspiring and vulnerable all at the same time. And that's why I wanted to, to have you back on to share a little bit more of your story. I think that you are doing a courageous, fantastic job as a person, as a father, as a future husband, and most important to me as a friend. And I just want you to know I love you, I support you, I got you, and I can't wait to hang out with you soon. I appreciate you, Sean. Much love to you, sis. I'll see you on Friday. All right. Peace. <laughs> Thank you, Deez. It's time to wrap this up and I just want to say very sincerely thank you. You have your choice of thousands of different podcasts that you could be listening to each day and I appreciate you for choosing this to be one of them. Right now in this moment I see the light, I see the love, the wisdom, the beauty, the prosperity, the creativity and the pure joy that shines within each of you and I bow humbly before your divinity. Namaste.